Good morning. Hello, everyone. Hello, all my beautiful friends. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. It's October and it's fall in Western New York. And it's just amazing right now. The colors of all the leaves on all the trees are changing. It's just gorgeous. Um, and we bought a tree for our yard and it was called an autumn blaze glory or something like that. And it, we planted it. It's just a little thing and it turned bright red because we're heading into fall. It's just beautiful. It's getting chilly outside now, so we can start wearing our big sweaters and our fun boots. I just love this, the change of season. So here where I live, there's summer, winter, spring, fall, and, you know, you get used to that change and, you know, you look forward to the new seasons coming up, you know, because for us, it means when it gets cold out, you can start wearing your big sweaters and your, and your fun boots and, you know, hoodies and you could make chili and watch football and that's what it all represents. Then it'll turn into winter, which represents Christmas and snowmen and sledding and skiing and all those things that people do. But then we really look forward to the summer because by the time the winter's over, we're so sick of it and we really just can't wait for the warmth. But unfortunately, our summer is so short. It's just like, it seems like it's over before it starts. Um, and then, it, you know, and then there's spring, you know, winter, then spring, which is beautiful because spring is when everything melts and all the flowers start coming out and you start to feel that beautiful feeling of, of uh, how it's going to be for the next few months where it's going to be warm and sunny and gorgeous. So the change of seasons is pretty nice. And now that I'm saying that out loud, I'm just thinking this is what happens in our life with everything, you know, having something to look forward to is really great and um, creates memories and thoughts and feelings. Oh, we'll just do that another another episode. Anyway, today's episode is going to be called Stigma, Fear, and Shame. We are at episode number 108, which I'm pretty impressed with myself for <laughs> getting to 108. So anyway, um, I wanted to read what I found uh, around that topic of stigma. So um, this is what I found in um, a medical journal. It says sex, child sexual abuse, sexual assault, and intimate partner violence occur within social contexts that shape how survivors judge themselves and are evaluated by others. Survivors may experience stigma that includes victim blaming, stigmatizing re reactions from others in response to disclosure, this stigmatization can be internalized among survivors as self-blame, shame, and anticipating the stigma. All of this play an important role in shaping survivors' thoughts, feelings, and behaviors as they recover. Their risk of re-victimization and their help-seeking and attainment process. So that was the definition when I looked up stigma around uh, being a survivor. So as you can see, all of this has caused some deep wounds within the people who have had many types of intimate partner violence or child neglect or abuse or sexual assault of any kind. This is what we are finding with many women who are afraid to speak up. There's fear and there's shame along with the stigma. And if they expose their past, then they might not be taken seriously. 
right? Or they might get re-victimized again, or some other form of fear will come bubbling up just at the thought of sharing what happened. Now, in all the years that I was working with survivors in the court system, I saw judges re-victimize women, these women, by their comments and the things that they said, and basically just their inability to understand victims and domestic violence. I've always said they've been very uneducated in the court system. So I used to say the courtroom is not your friend or just people in general who make little comments that to them seem innocent, but to a survivor is very damaging. Little things like, oh, I really never saw that in him, or I can't believe that happened. I mean, that seems pretty innocent. I can't believe that happened. But when they say that, it makes it sound like to a survivor that they don't believe you. So although those comments seem very innocent, they can be very painful. It just feels like they just are judging you and that they just don't believe you and they're, they're blaming you for what happened. And that brings up all the past emotions and causes triggers. That's what a trigger is. But what I found most recently was that talking about what happened in a safe environment with safe relationships, quote unquote, people, safe people is very freeing and very healing. So telling your story might not be the worst thing ever, excuse me, but it might be the best thing you could do. So a couple of people that I've recently been talking with have told me their story and they felt safe with me. And then when they were done, they said they felt so um, liberated. So in my coaching practice, I always encourage women to find a safe relationship and safe environments to start the healing process, which is key, I think, because if you just tell your story to anybody, you might get judged and all of the fear that you have around talking about it might come true because not everyone will understand. And what we have to understand is People are not equipped to understand domestic abuse or abuse of any kind, for that matter, if they haven't had to experience it or haven't been around it at all. So we shouldn't take it personally when those comments are made because whoever it is just might not be educated enough to have said something that would make us feel better. Typically, we like to blame others for our situation, right? And in this case, when people say things like that, it's very easy to blame them for their comments or blame them for not being there for you during the time that everything was happening or just to take the blame off of us. So this new movement that I'm the founder of, the Living Free from Fear movement, will be focusing on bringing survivors together so that you will know that you have a group of people who will support you and understand you, and you can feel free to share without being judged. So I think a lot of things start from there, where you find the right people, create new relationships, and embrace new environments for your emotional safety. And feeling safe is really the starting point for your healing process. And I think that that is where a lot of people lose sight of how to begin healing. 
I'm sure a lot of people are on my Facebook page or my website and they see where I'm talking about finding safe relationships and find environments that telling your story and starting the healing process, but they might say, how, how do I do it? It's too scary and it won't work for me. I've tried this before, <clears throat> but I think that it's because in the past you've tried this with the wrong people and it's turned around and hurt you. So when I say safe relationships, what I mean is that you may just pick one person that can understand you, one survivor or one trusted friend or one good life coach who will be there to support you through your healing process. Just start there because that person will be your lifeline while you heal. And not sharing your story with just anybody, but with that person is how you start your process. And just knowing that you own that space you own the fact that you are choosing who you want to tell and how you want to tell your story so that you are protecting yourself from being judged. That's how you take your power and control back by being in control of who judges you and who hears you and who sees you. Being heard and being seen was part of the problem in the beginning, right? We never felt heard or seen, and then we develop a persona around that. So when you come out on the other side, you just don't feel like anyone's going to hear you or see you or most of all care about you. So that, that's why it's so important to find a trusted, safe relationship to start your healing process. Now, I could talk on and on about this all day long and about all the steps that come after this step, but I'm just going to leave you with this because this is where we start, and this is where I want you to begin so that you can take baby steps to the greater goal, which is you being in control of your life and living a life that you so deserve. All right, thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Hello, if you're interested in finally being free from your past emotional wounds and living the life that you deserve, I have a six month coaching program called Triumph Over Trauma that shows survivors of domestic abuse how to overcome their past trauma and take control of their lives forever. I will be there for you every step of the way. To get started now, go to karenmessina.com and sign up for your free confidential consultation where we will talk all about you and put a plan in place for your future. Now is the time to take back your power and control. See you on the inside.